is the moment UFC fans around the world have been waiting for. It's time! Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Red Belt Report your monthly MMA podcast where we talk about everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts. I'm your host, Bob Fallon. And I'm your co-host, Brooks Fallon. And on this episode, we got a ton to talk about coming out of UFC 214 with John Jones. Coming back to win the light heavyweight championship yet again. So much more. We got the Fox card with Chris Weidman against Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, some fight pass card that we'll talk about for five minutes. Our top five post-fight interviews slash moments, and we'll preview all the cards leading up to UFC 215 on September 9th. What's going on? Not a whole lot, man. How about you? Oh, you know, just uh, working towards these credentials. Uh, I guess I could give an update on, uh, I talked about last episode, how I got into the MMAJA. That was step one, and now... Step two, I figured, okay, now how do I, you know, get into an event with press credentials if the opportunity arose? So yeah. I did a little research, went on to UFC.com, into the press portal, and uh, applied to register for that, and got accepted to that next. So step two, complete. It's so awesome. It's pretty exciting. I mean... I didn't even know how all that stuff worked. Like, uh, yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, I didn't know even know there was an MMA Journalist Association. Well, that's new. So I mean, that just came it's out. It's like in a year June. or two, right? June. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I thought it was last year. Brand spanking new. And uh, yeah, so then I heard that there's an event coming up in Pittsburgh on September 16th. So that's what I'm angling for. It still hasn't shown up on the Apply for Press Credentials page on the. UFC.com, and no idea if I would even get the credentials if I applied, but that's what I've been saying every step of the way, and uh, right. we'll see it's how it goes. It's definitely worth the try. I mean, yeah. how cool would that be? I mean, it's the MMA media is pretty tight-knit. I mean, you have, like, the guy at USA Today and uh, MMA Fighting and MMA Junkie, but, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of credentials up for grabs for the little people, and it would be so cool to sit in the back of the press and get to observe that side of things yeah absolutely and like i was telling you i feel like if there's going to be an event where i could get it this might be the one because it's the same exact night as triple g versus canelo and may maybe that would draw some attention away <laughs> oh for sure like kevin ioli and probably the guy from like usa today i can't think of his name the bigger guy oh um john morgan yeah yeah uh, I think like guys like that will probably be there. I think like Luke Thomas might be there. So yeah. I think you're right. That would that would probably be the uh, the event to go to. It's got a pretty solid main event. Yeah, Luke Rockhold versus David Branch. It's, uh, it's still only announced like six or seven fights. So you know they could still add some cool stuff on there. Yeah. When I went to the UFC uh, 172, that was like I had the floor seats. I was a little bit behind the scenes and everything. I was 
But man, it would have been so cool to go to the press conference. Like if you could just like go and watch it, that would have been so awesome. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't. I have no idea what to expect if it happens and all that. So I'm just trying not to think about it and until uh, you know. Hope for the best. Yeah. Hit the jackpot, I guess. Yeah, I think. I mean, it would be awesome. Pittsburgh's like what three or four hours away from us. Yeah, it's like a four-hour drive, and I'll, yeah. I'll just get like a, a hotel and. Uh, yeah, do the do the whole thing. We'll see. You know, trying to make this a legit like uh, job, maybe eventually. So yeah, man, gotta right start direction. somewhere. Absolutely, write a piece out of it and sell it. But the Red <laughs> yeah. Belt Report gets all the exclusives. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> this was the OG origination of uh, this path. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so let's get into UFC two fourteen. Los Angeles, California, or was it Anaheim? Uh, it was Los Angeles, I believe. Staples uh, Center. I thought no, it, was it was Honda. Uh, Anaheim, Honda Center. Yeah, Honda Center. Uh, yeah, huge card. We talked about it on the preview on the last episode. Probably the, not even probably, definitely the best card they've put together, at least since the Ronda Rousey card to end last year, 207. Yeah, it's I definitely mean, like their big July card that they try to have every year. This was definitely it for them. No doubt, like three title fights. This seems to be a trend with their mega cards now. Three title fights, we got that. You had other contender fights that were highly anticipated. It had it all. It had it all. Undercard was solid. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it had some great fights on the card. I mean, the main card was stacked. I mean, like we said before, the people's main event, Robbie Lawler and Don Cerrone, that's like, you can't wish for a better fight than that. But there was also some... I mean, some familiar names on the undercard, but they definitely surprised. I thought everybody fought pretty well. Yeah, for sure. And uh, completely jealous of Alex Kidwell, friend of the podcast, who was there in person on his birthday, 30th birthday. Like, man. That's so awesome. That had to be incredible. So Yeah, uh, speaking from experience, there's nothing like seeing a live UFC event, especially a huge card like that. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. I can't even imagine. So shout out to him. Hope you enjoyed it, buddy. And, yeah, for uh, sure. We'll have to tell us about it. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And uh, John Jones, let's he, the champ is back. Better than ever? Uh, knocks out Daniel Cormier. Third round, head kick followed up by elbows on the mat. Uh, what are your thoughts just on the well, whole? Well, as it's like settled in and I've been thinking about it, um, I think like when me and you were sitting at your house watching the fight, I'm not sure what we said on the preview, but sitting at your house, I said, I think John Jones is going to look good and finish him in the second. I think you said the fourth, right? Yeah, I believe so. So he pretty much split us right in the middle and did it in the third. But watching the fight, I mean, it was a great fight, definitely. I think both guys came out and looked really good. Um, At first, I think, like my first impressions were John Jones did look good, but it wasn't like earth-breaking. But now that I've like had time to think about it and watch some highlights and stuff, Daniel Cormier, I thought, looked really good, confident, not kind of shaking in his boots, kind of like he was in the first fight. So I think knowing that, that Daniel Cormier looked that good, I think it makes John Jones' performance all the more impressive. Yeah, I think this might be one of the best performances of all time. That might be a little overblown, but I think this was an incredible performance. Like, Yeah, for sure. <laughs> unbelievable, because like you said, Cormier... 
didn't have any weight cut issues. He came in looking to be in as good a shape as he possibly could at 205. He looked confident, comfortable. I mean, he looked like he he looked way better than the first fight. He, yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, he knew what he was like getting himself into. And for the most part, I thought it looked pretty similar to the first fight. I mean, DC does that kind of like hand fighting and then gets in with the punches. And yeah. John Jones was fighting that off. And it was... I mean, I don't, I don't think we saw a takedown, did we? Uh, Jones Maybe. took him down in the first minute for like two seconds. Yeah, he got right back up, yeah. Uh, but like I said, Cormier, I mean, you could argue he won the first two rounds before he got knocked out in the third. I I think I had it one-to-one. Uh, yeah, you could I really, think that's fair. It, it mean, was so close you could have had it anyway because that's the thing that surprised me the most with Jones, especially coming off the last performance against OSP April of... 2016 yeah i don't know yeah 2016 yeah yeah uh where he was listless and just didn't really look aggressive enough or aggressive as he normally does and those fears were out the window because as soon as the fight started he was immediately aggressive putting you know all kinds of different strikes on cormier right away oh for sure and i think like i mean even his body type was pretty massively different he was in incredible shape. Yeah, he looked like young John Jones. Yeah, he was skinnier, definitely toned, and I think, God, I mean, John Jones could be so insanely good. Like, just to think, like, back in his early days, he didn't even train before between fights. He just basically <laughs> completely stopped and got fat and then would go back in the camp. That's just crazy. <laughs> yeah. The what-ifs with John Jones are just insane. Yep. And, Especially uh, after a performance like this. He showed off a good chin here, too, because Cormier was landing. I actually think he was probably the more accurate striker, at least early on. seemed like Jones really found a groove. And uh, when I suppose it, like, the halfway through the second round, he started landing a little bit better. Yeah. And you could tell he was timing <laughs> that, that head kick. He was waiting for it. He was setting it up, which is brilliant. I mean, the guy has always been a super smart fighter takes every advantage he can like wrenching people's arms and kicking their knee yeah we were talking about that we saw that a couple times with him where he does he did it really effectively against glover in the clinch when he's got the overhook he rent, he pulls up on his arm in a way that gets all this leverage just wrenches the hell out of your elbow that's got to be that's such a smart move and like we were saying like Maybe in, like, a wrestling, that would be a dirty move. Because you were saying how John, like, kicks people's knees out and does, like, that arm wrench. But I would say in MMA, that's, I mean, it's what's different between that and, like, jiu-jitsu. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And it's just, I mean, he, you give him an inch, he takes a mile. I mean, just look at the knockout. Beautiful head kick. I mean, just, you know, shin upside the temple. And yeah, I've got it. I, that's a perfect save, uh, segue. I was... You know, reading online, and I, I think I saw it on YouTube. It was a video. It was a press conference, I think, for like one of the first times they tried to match up John Jones in DC. Like it was a, it was like a pretty standard USC press conference, but they were like all sitting on stools. Connor was there, but anyway, the point is, they uh, somebody asked DC or something. He was like, John was like talking about tendencies and holes that he sees in this game. And they get in this battling about what that hole is. And DC just basically comes out and says, you're not going to kick me in the head with your left leg. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> basically, like, exactly what happened. He tried to block it to the body. And... Yep, yeah, that's exactly what happened. And, and that's the first time I've ever seen Cormier even hurt 
you know, like seriously wobbled. Like he was, yeah. and he didn't go down right away. I mean, the guy is tough as nails. The guy yeah, I mean, John Jones hit him with a huge leg kick. Yeah, that, that was that was brilliant. That was smart because as he's he's just trying to get his back to his to the fence and get his bearings, and he kicks his leg out from under him, which allowed him to just pounce on him with those disgusting elbows, which are like should be uh, murder weapons. You know? <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Uh, yeah, this punches up against the cage. He was DC was so out. I mean, it took him like two minutes to even get up. Yeah, the stoppage the stoppage was a little late. I thought. Yeah, but I mean, at the I same it time, could have gone or stopped basically when it hit the ground. But at the same time, it is a obviously a huge fight, huge rivalry, and Cormier is showing how tough he is. So I can kind of understand you you give him a, an extra punch or two. Yeah, and the way those things are so powerful and fast coming down, it's <laughs> like he, there's not much margin for error. Yeah, for sure. I mean, John Jones is pretty much the best at like the ground and pound elbows and. Nasty, nasty ground pound. Yeah, I so mean, after the fight, Cormier, people are getting on him. He acted a little unsportsmanlike, getting up, uh, pushing Big John out of the way, and arguing with Dana White and trying to leave the cage. What would you think of the whole situation? I don't think you can fault him at all here. I mean, he basically had no idea what had happened. Yeah, first time ever being knocked out, like clearly yeah. out of it, clearly heavily concussed. I mean, he probably didn't even realize he had been knocked out. So yeah, he probably just thought he got taken down or something. And it, I, don't, I mean, I don't really know, but it's definitely got to be devastating for him. I mean, all of this build up and yeah, and then for Joe Rogan to try to interview him after the fight was a little rough. Yeah, that sucked. I mean, he was sobbing. Yeah, that was tough to watch, but. Yeah, what do you think, before we get into John Jones and, you know, the return of the king, uh, what do you think's next for, for Cormier? Is this it? Is he calling it quits, go to the Fox studio, or uh, make I that run at heavyweight? Yeah, I mean, I would lean towards retirement. We'll see what he bounces back from here. I would probably think, like, especially if Cain Velasquez has been out this long, he might go back to heavyweight and see what he can do there, but I don't know how many, I mean, he's got to be close to 40 by now right he's 38 yeah um i, think I don't see i don't see him cutting to 205 really anymore for anything but a title fight yeah and that's never going to happen now after yeah. a definitive loss like that yeah i i think here's the thing he goes to heavyweight he's a young up-and-coming prospect in that division at 38 i mean that's, <laughs> yeah, right. that's young right there and uh, no, I th- I think he's got a run at heavyweight in him, even though it's rumored that Stipe is going to be fighting Cain Velasquez in October for the belt. So, I, I don't know what he would do if Cain won that fight. Probably yeah, wouldn't Kane. matter because he'd blow his knee out and be out for three more years. <laughs> yeah, or his back. Yeah, exactly. I, I think Cormier could be great at heavyweight. <laughs> There's a big problem with that though. John Jones is right behind him. Yeah, right. I mean, John Jones could come up or Cain Velasquez. I just don't see what going up to heavyweight and making a title run would do for DC at this point. Uh, I don't know. I think he could just continue to cement his legacy. I mean, it's already unfortunate that he is one of the greatest of all time. He just happened to be in the division of the greatest of all time. 
<laughs> and uh, I don't know. I think he can continue to build on that and hopefully, I don't know, just uh, cement that legacy despite, you know, he'll now, he'll always be second best, but just try to separate himself from anybody that comes up in the future. I don't know. He made his million dollars. <laughs> That's enough? I mean, I'm sure he's made plenty. Yeah. But, oh, I forgot to say, I completely agree. You can't fault him at all with uh, the way he acted after the fight. No. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of Daniel Cormier, but that's, it seems a little ridiculous to get on him about that. Yeah, I mean, you see it a lot. I mean, Jose Aldo, it wasn't quite as bad, but he didn't have any idea what had happened. You can't, all those people are in your face screaming all of a sudden, and, I mean, it's got to be insane. Yeah, and as far as John Jones, like, he is back, and UFC is probably praying that he keeps his shit together, because right. a star was not, I wouldn't say a star is born, but, I mean, his star blossomed big time on Saturday night, because the rumor is it did over a million pay-per-view buys, uh, the guy looked incredible in the cage, and then after the fight... I was amazed at how he, first of all, he touched gloves with Cormier before, right before the fight started. And then he was talking him up. He gave a great post-fight interview with Joe Rogan when he said, you know, it's probably because he won. I don't know how he would have acted if he lost. But he he gave Cormier his props as a fighter and as a human being. Said he, he looks up to him. He He wishes he could be more like him and... I thought it was really respectful and really smart thing way to act with uh, everything that's gone on. Yeah, I mean, I think that's got to be the way John tries to carry himself. Like going forward, he can't, like he's been saying, like he just learned to not care and or give a fuck lately. I, I think he's got to like go on with that kind of character. He's got to find a way to keep his nose clean. I mean, literally. I don't know how. I don't know how many more strikes he can have. Yeah, I know, and. uh I don't know how genuine it is or how real it is or if it's just he knows he's smart enough to know what he should say, but it's a start, you know, and the whole time leading up to this fight, I'm thinking, I mean, John Jones at one point was my favorite fighter in the sport, and despite everything in my heart, I'm rooting for him to win this fight, and in my head, I'm like, I shouldn't be rooting for him after everything he's done, and and all this stuff, so it just kind of helps me to come to grips with who I was, you know, I want to be able to root for the guy, genuinely, and not be ashamed of it. Oh, so. for sure, like, from a fight fan side, he's hands above the greatest of all time, pretty much, so you want to see the greatness come out, you want to be able to see him perform, but he has so many character flaws, and acts like such an asshole sometimes, that it's really tough to be his fan. Yeah, I don't like you, Luke, next question. Right. <laughs> I couldn't believe that. Yeah. Uh, no, you're right. I mean, and when I say root for him, I honestly, I'm at the point now where I want to see greatness. I just want the best person to win. And I want, you know, I want to be able to, that's the, that's the thing I love about MMA that you don't get in other sports. Like in baseball, I'm an Orioles fan. That's it. The players don't matter. I don't care if we're the worst team in the world and we just get lucky and win. That's enough. But in, in MMA, I want to see the best of the best, fight the other best of the best, and then see true greatness. Yeah, for sure. I mean, 
and it sucks. I mean, there's a lot of things that get in the way, injuries, and but John Jones is a special case for sure. I mean, I can't, it's, it's 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 such a long laundry list of shit that's happened now that it's it's almost like hard to even think of. So it's hard to trust him that he's going to be able to go forward and fight a regular schedule without totally fucking his life up or something. Yeah, I'm interested to see see what happens next because obviously after that, after the miserably failed attempt to interview Daniel Cormier, Jones grabs the mic again and says, Brock Lesnar, <laughs> if you want to know what it feels like to get your ass kicked by a guy 40 pounds less than you, meet me in the octagon. And uh, I thought that was brilliant. I love that. And, yeah, uh, I mean, it's a good promo. I'm not hugely pumped on the fight i am ecstatic for the fight <laughs> i think it will easily break the pay-per-view record for mma i think it will do over two million pay-per-view buys i think uh it's a great fight it's a it's i think it's perfect on every level the call out the promo was great but just the fight itself i mean this is a guy who has nothing left to prove at light heavyweight he is the greatest of all time now in my opinion. I mean, there is the Gustafson fight, which I do think you should make next. I think that rematch should happen to erase all doubts. Yeah. Because it's going to take time for Brock Lesnar to get his, you know, get back officially on the roster, go through the four-month steroid protocol, and serve his six-month suspension. Um, plus, I'm sure he's got uh, WWE Commitments. obligations. Yeah. But John Jones was always eventually going to move up to heavyweight. Yeah, sure. You could easily just give him the title fight right away, and it'd be completely justified. But that's a big step up for, like, I think it's the biggest step up for any weight class because you're not just going up ten pounds; you're going up potentially sixty pounds. Fighting yeah, that's like fifty, 60, sixty pounds heavier. And I do. Th- I think Jones will destroy Brock Lesnar. But that's not out of the realm of possibility that he is just too big and strong, grabs a hold of him and just pummels him. Do you um, think he can hold him down? I personally don't, but I want to see it because I think that's the perfect introduction to the heavyweight division for John Jones. It's against a huge name, will sell huge, be great for the sport. It's a true test in a sense that he's fighting the biggest that this weight class can offer. Maybe not the most skilled, but a huge guy. And uh, I don't know. I think, and then you win that fight, and then you fight Stipe, then that becomes an even bigger fight. Just leaves light heavyweight? Oh, yeah. I think so. I know he's saying he doesn't want to fight Stipe, and you know he just wants to fight Brock Lesnar and then come back down. I, I don't buy it. I think the right move is... Gustafson rematch, then go up, fight Brock Lesnar, then fight for the heavyweight championship. What do you think John would weigh at heavyweight? I think he would weigh like 230. Yeah, yeah I was going to say like 225. Because I think, especially if he commits to it, he'll probably bulk up a little bit. You know. Yeah, I don't know. It's like changes everything. True, but he's, he's easily going to be the quickest guy. At uh, heavyweight, most likely. Um, not too many people going to match his length uh, as far as reach, right? So, yeah. 
Uh, I don't know. He's not going to. He probably won't have the knockout power that a lot of guys have at heavyweight. But he, the ground and pound will be there. He'll probably just kick him in his colon. <laughs> and, uh, diverticulitis. Yeah, oof, yeah, that was nasty. Right. How about, I mean, just the matchups are tantalizing and heavyweight for John Jones. Cain Velasquez versus John Jones, Stipe. Alistair. Yeah, if there's ever going to be a third fight with Cormier, it'd have to be at heavyweight, I would assume. So, yeah, yeah I'm. I'm loving everything. I just love that John Jones is back. I'm sure the UFC is, especially losing Ronda and pretty much Connor. It must be nice for them to have another guy who just pulled in a million pay-per-views. Yeah, right. I, just, I don't know. I just, I guess I hope they continue at least with the light heavyweight division for a little bit before they lock everything up with the super fight with Lesnar. Yeah, like I said, that Gustafson fight is there, and I mean it was at least top five best UFC fight of all time. So no one's going to complain about a rematch. I'm sure Jones wouldn't mind, you know, to just say that was a fluke. I didn't take it seriously. Here's what happens when I do. I'm sure Gustafson would like it just to, he was so close and he probably thinks he can win that fight. So yeah, I think that is, that should be next. But, but after that, all bets are off. Next July. Brock Lesnar versus John Jones. God, I really, I, don't, I just don't know if I can get up for it. it just doesn't excite me. Man, uh, it does for me. So, agree to disagree. Let's move on to something that <laughs> we can agree on. Tyron Woodley defeats Damian Maya by unanimous decision. In he broke his own record for most boring or worst uh, UFC title fight. Right? Is this the worst one ever, you think? I would have to say probably, yeah. I th- yeah, I didn't think it could get worse than Woodley Thompson 2 in March. And uh, then we get this. <laughs> where... See, I would say Maya Silva is up there, too. See, I didn't crazy. see it live, so it doesn't have the same... Like, I'm... Yeah, I saw it on replay, like, years later. Or, not years, but after after the fact. And it, that changes everything. When you're watching live and you're all hyped up... And this is like, Omer's put me to sleep. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> this yeah, I mean, so I, bad. I, I hate to say that I'm not that surprised out of Woodley. I almost expected it. Like if it really, really sucked uh, when he hit him with that uppercut. What, like a minute into the fight? Well, here's here's what I was saying. What does it say that the most exciting moment, the biggest punch, you know, the biggest significant strike of this entire fight we didn't even see it happen right it was it looked like he was just trying to like reach for a headlock to try to stop a takedown we didn't even know that he hit him with a a short uppercut until a replay after the first round and that was by far the biggest strike of this fight um yeah i mean it sucks when i mean that changed the whole fight for sure and, I mean, I don't know. Dana White said he thought Woodley could have easily finished it in the first round. What do you think about that? I don't know about that. I mean, Dana White went a little overboard. But uh, I definitely think he could have done more moving forward. I mean, it's – don't get me wrong. Well, first of all, the first, the, as soon as the fight went past the first round, I was like, oh, this is going the distance. This, is, this isn't going to be good. But – 
don't get he was zero for twenty four. Like he stopped twenty four takedowns attempts out of twenty four. Like that's great because look what Maya was doing to everybody else, and he didn't let it happen. That is super impressive. But at the same time, he's shaking his fist, like he's showing off, like he's rocking, like destroying this guy. He's not. He's throwing like six punches around. Like he's, and I understand you. Be careful. The only thing that could get you in trouble against this guy is if you open up and he allow him to grab a hold of you. But at the same time, it's just <laughs> like I was. I told you he's like a homeless man's Floyd Mayweather in that he doesn't care about excitement. He just wants he'll win each round by one punch if he has to and. It's just, I, mean, I, get, I get the mentality that it's a lot to lose if you do take those risks, but I, I, the takedowns weren't even deep. I mean, no, they were like pretty bad single legs. He had a few, had his hands clasped together, but Willie's legs are so big and so strong that I don't even think he was that threatened about it. I think he is the most, I don't know if he's the most cautious, but he is the most inactive fighter like it's so frustrating because you know what he can do because every once in a while it's not even ever it's like a 50 50 he's like two-face he flips a coin if it's heads he's gonna go in there and knock Robbie Lawler out in the first round he's gonna go out there and and brawl with I can't remember the fight that was uh really good um what's Willie yeah, I think maybe when he lost to Nate Marquardt, that was just like a out and out, you know, back and forth brawl. Uh, he goes out and knocks people out and looks incredible and can put it all together. He flips the coin in his tails, and you get his last two fights where he literally looks terrified to throw a punch. Yeah, I mean, it, it reminds me a lot of how like Johnny Hendricks went on his run to get the title. He was knocked, had this huge knockouts, but. Sometimes he was the most boring fighter ever to watch. He would stick his head between people's legs, push yeah. him up against the cage. Yeah. I mean, it's very similar to that, but Woodley just circles around the cage and doesn't throw anything. Yeah. I know I've said it before, but it's just he could be one of the pound-for-pound pound best if he really, you know, would just be more active and go for it. I mean – there's no reward without risk, especially in this fight game where entertainment is a big part of it, like it or not. Like, this, this is a sport, but it's it's also entertainment. Like, yeah, if you I mean, want to make like... the money, if you want to get the eyeballs, if you want people to like you, and maybe he doesn't, and that's fine. And maybe the only thing that matters to him is keeping that belt no matter what. Hey, more power to you, but don't be mad when people boo. Because... Yeah, I mean, I don't even think, like, when you hear him talk, I don't think that's his state of mind. He thinks he's going out there and looking great and just putting a standard whooping on people. But it's almost like how some people will nullify another fighter's game and it gets completely boring. He's he's definitely, like, at this point, he's not taking any risks. It, he used to come forward a lot more, but, I mean, he got cracked with a lot of lefts, and I I, I don't think he had to at all. He just... He sat back, and I mean, Damian Maya is pretty standard left hand, and he got caught with it a good amount of times. Yeah, it's true. I mean, just <laughs> here's what I think should happen. I think you can actually use this negative publicity that he's gotten and turn it around 
you know, all it will take is one man, one fight at the end of this year. You Nick know, Diaz. Conor McGregor. Oh. I mean, uh, I think that that's the fight to make. I know it's kind of, you got to have him, if he's going to fight, Conor's going to fight again, you got to have him defend that lightweight belt, but they've already built this up, and I just feel like <laughs> Conor could knock him out. I think so, too, like, especially when he just stands there right in front of them. But, I mean, yeah, like you said, you have to have Conor defend his belt. I don't think he's ever defended a belt, has he? No. Besides his interim, I guess. But No, he hasn't. But I don't think it matters with him. He makes his own rules. He yeah, can, clearly. He can do whatever he wants. I don't know. <laughs> I just think, like, you can, he, Woodley would be a great heel against Conor. I don't, but I don't. that's pipe dream material. But I would be much more excited for another Nate fight against Connor. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. But I guess honestly, who who am I get anybody against Connor McGregor? It's going to be huge at this point. Um, who? So who's next for Woodley? You think? I think we'll get to him in a little bit, but. Rob, I think it has to be Robbie Lawler at this point. I yeah. know he's only coming off one win and one fight since he got last knocked out by Woodley, but I mean, at least as short as it was while it lasted, that was a good fight. I mean, that was Robbie Lawler's not going to be a guy who lets a fight go five rounds at that pace like that. <laughs> he might yeah, get himself knocked gonna, out again, but yeah, I don't think that's going to happen again. I think he's. Probably, he was probably like real burnt out back then. I think we're going to see a new Robbie Lawler these days, but we'll get to that. Yeah, and other than that, I mean, <clears throat> I'd say Masvidal, he's coming off a loss. Thompson coming off, you know, the loss. And no one wants to see that fight again. Um, yeah, right. It's tough, because, and it's so weird because this division is is real deep. There's plenty of talent at the top, but just the way it has gone lately, it doesn't... Uh, Someone doesn't immediately pop up as top contender. I mean, I honestly think there's no other option than Robbie Lawler. Obviously, they took GSP away from him. I think that was already in the works before this fight happened. But, uh, yeah, he he was expecting to fight GSP next because that's what Dana White was saying and all this. But now it's officially announced that GSP is fighting Michael Bisbing in November. So that's off the table. Is that scheduled? Yeah, I think it. I think it was announced today. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think Robbie Lawler is it, and I'm fine with that. And then you can let the rest of the division kind of stack up again against themselves. Yeah, that's pretty thin. Yeah. <laughs> what about Damian Maya? What's next for Maya? He says he's not going anywhere. Did you see that? He said, "Unfortunately for the division, I'm not going anywhere." Uh, just fought Masvidal, Carlos Condit. Cowboy. Cowboy, that'd be a good fight. Neil Magny, did he already fight Neil Magny? Yes, and he beat him. And Magny has a fight coming up. Um, yeah, I don't know. Put Cowboy versus Mayo on the Pittsburgh card. I'll go see it. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maya, <laughs> he'll never get another another title fight either. After he's, <laughs> he is the man that is in the bottom two title fights of all time. 
in seven place to get there too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's unfortunate. It's just a bad matchup. Yeah, I mean <sighs> We haven't really I, talked about his role, but what's that, Maya? Yeah, the role he played in all this. I mean, he's not blameless either. Yeah, I mean, he's, it's you pretty much know what Damian Maya's going to come in and do. And like we said before, that closed eye definitely hindered his game plan. He wants to get inside, get in the clinch, or get it to the ground in some way possible, and he just could not make it happen. Yeah. Speaking of not being able to make anything happen, Tony Avenger gets <laughs> knocked out by Cyborg in the third round. But I take nothing away from Tanya Avenger. She is tough as nails. And it's great. I mean, I'm happy she made it that long, you know? A lot of people wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, it's... I, I don't know. She's, I knew it was going to be like a sloppy-looking fight, but, God, she was just trying to survive out there. Well, yeah. I think that says how it's going to be at this weight yeah. class. I mean, Cyborg finally crowned... Women's featherweight champion. We finally have a real featherweight champion for the women. Uh, get the Let's hell out of here, this. GDR. Uh, yeah, go along with the, uh, the real division that we got. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably the best women's fighter of all time. Most dominant, anyway. I mean, she hasn't had to fight the competition that someone like Ian Jacek has. But, I mean, she's just looks unbeatable. Much like... Uh, much like Ronda in her day, so maybe Holly Holm is next, and she'll put an end to that Cinderella run too. But yeah, Evan, I knew this this was a matter of time. I mean, Everger's coming in on somewhat short notice. She's moving up a weight class to fight one of the biggest, best women's fighters of all time with incredible power. But she, I feel like she had the right game plan. You know, roll with the punches, clinch as much yeah. as possible. You know, and maybe she'll get tired and you can pull something off late. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like you said, she came up uh, in a division to basically just to get into the UFC. I mean, yeah. Tanya Evinger has been around the block. And, and she deserves to be here. Oh, for sure. But to have to come up and fight Cyborg and you definitely can't take anything away from her. She was definitely disappointed in herself that she didn't make it five rounds at least. But, I mean... Cyborg is a force to be reckoned with. That's that cannot be easy. To, I mean, what was it like? Three weeks notice, four weeks notice, something like that. Yeah. 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 I yeah, don't really have much the, else to say. I mean, well, who do you want to see? Both of them fight next. Obviously, Evan's just going to drop down. I mean, I just want to see her fight someone in the top ten of her own weight class and see if she can go on a run there. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know, like a. Uh, like a Raquel Pennington or something. I don't know if she's got a fight scheduled. Yeah, that would be good. I don't think she does. I think that would be a good fight. And as far as Cyborg goes, I mean, seems like Holly Holm is what's on tap. And, hey, I know Holm doesn't necessarily deserve it after being 1-3, I believe, in her last four. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but who else? I mean, Megan Anderson, unless they can make that happen. That's what was originally supposed to happen. But... God, I mean, uh, Holly Holmes won three with two title fight losses. If she would lose that, that would be bad news for her. Until she got a title fight at Bantamweight next to <laughs> Yeah, right. I mean, that Ronda Rousey win bought her a lot of leeway. Right. So. God, she's ranked number two. That's crazy. Yeah. 
Yeah, it is crazy. There's uh, not even rankings for featherweights. There's no division. Exactly. And uh, <laughs> Kat Zingano is also a name that's been bandied about against uh, potentially to fight Cyborg. And I think she's lost her last two at Bantamweight, so I don't know what hope she has moving up. But God, we need some fresh blood. Yeah. It's, we need a, a bad way. tough 27 women's featherweight. It's crazy. Strawweight's so much better than bantamweight and featherweight now. Yeah, I mean, because it, it's probably, it's most, I think it's going to be like, um, you know, for the men, lightweight and welterweight is where it's the most deep. I think 115, 125 is a much more natural, like more women that are going to be around that weight naturally. Yeah. So that's like just, I think, strawweight is like the lightweight of the women's division. I don't know. I think they should do 125 and get rid of 145. Cyborg got her belt. Nah, I, I'm happy just to watch Cyborg, you know, even if that's the whole division. It's just Cyborg has a belt, and every once in a while someone comes to challenge her. I'm fine with that. <laughs> Appears to be the case. Yeah, that's probably what's going to be, and, you know, I'll watch it. Like I was telling you, I don't, I don't mind if they add all these new weight classes that California has instituted. I wouldn't mind if they just became normal where it's, what, instead of uh, how many weight classes is it right now? Uh, uh, 10, 11, 12. Yeah, just, I don't know, just say they added like three more, three or four more. I wouldn't mind yeah. as long as they were official, legit divisions correctly delineated. Uh, yeah, basically like bridge the gap between welterweight and middleweight and then heavyweight. Yeah, I mean, I like watching... Like I've said, the best of the best, whatever, uh, title fights. Title fights sell, or, you know, they like to promote title fights. Um, I think it'd be cool if every single card had a title fight on it. At least the pay-per-views. I guess the pay-per-views do usually have a title fight. I don't yeah, know. It's, it's rare if they don't. Yeah, I th well, if there's 15 titles, if or I don't know. Just, I don't know. Say if, if there's 15, 16 weight classes with titles... I mean, if you can't pull that off on every card, I just get rid of these shitty cards like we're going to talk about at UFC Fight Night 113 yeah. and start doing just, you know, every other week a solid card. I like title fights. Like, they throw around, like, so many interim titles these days, and I don't know, it just gets a little bit watered down, I guess. Oh, yeah, the interim stuff is where it gets, gets me. I mean, every once in a while it's warranted, but they definitely... Especially recently, throw it around way too much. Yeah, I mean, Whitaker just won the interim title, and he does not get the next fight. I mean, I get that he's hurt, but it's still a little strange. Yeah, that is strange. <laughs> that is really weird. <laughs> yeah, that's unfortunate, but we talked about it a little bit. Robbie Lawler defeated Donald Cowboy Cerrone by unanimous decision. Very close, very good fight. Um, how did you score it? I, I, I don't think you can be uh, mad with the decision here. I could definitely have given it to Cowboy. I thought uh, Lawler definitely won the first. Cowboy definitely won the second. Lawler kind of took that off. I gave, I edged it slightly for Lawler in the third. But uh, I definitely could see how you could give it to Cerrone. I, we were talking about this. I was, I was definitely pleased with the fight. It was awesome. I mean, it wasn't the most fireworks fight, but it was definitely a great fight. And... Uh, this was kind of how I was hoping it would end, where 
neither guy's stock drops too much with like such a good performance. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Like I said, razor thin, really entertaining fight. Maybe didn't live up to Lawler Condit standards, but what could possibly? And uh, yeah, I love the fight. Thought it was great. I scored it for Cowboy. I thought he he won the second and third, but like like you said, you can't I can't be mad either way. I, I you know either way I would have been happy for the guy who won and tough rocks for the guy who lost. So yeah, I mean you could have easily saw a split decision here. I mean maybe even a draw, but I definitely wasn't angry with either guy winning this fight. No, and. Uh, my only complaint about this fight is that it was only three rounds, and we couldn't get two more to decide it. Yeah, this definitely would have been incredible if it was. So we think Lawler's probably getting the next title shot. Unless, I didn't think of this option, maybe Carlos Condit comes uh, comes back and wins a fight. He's probably not too far out from... What's his last fight, Maya? Uh, yes. Almost a year ago. Got choked out. Uh, but yes, I, mean, I, I, don't I know. think Lawler would make much more sense than that. Yeah, I think it makes all the sense in the world. He didn't seem too pumped about it after the fight, but I mean, he's got a lot going on. So, with his buddy Matt Hughes and leaving his training camp, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he, uh, he left the camp, but I think that's pretty much status quo for Robbie Lawler interview. Yeah, I mean, he's never been the most charismatic. Uh, or I don't think you're going to get any top fives out of him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Donald Cerrone, he can just continue to fight whoever in the top ten of the welterweight division. People are going to tune in, right? Yeah, I don't think this affects his career really at all. No, uh, I don't think he's a guy that's like on the title hunt, really. I mean, he's just here to fight good fights and uh, win more than he loses. I mean, I wouldn't rule out a title fight like next year. I mean, he could fight like seven times by next year. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> and especially this day and age, he's got the name and the style that even if he wins two, just two in a row, if they're against the right people, I mean, could do it. Yeah, plus he'll always step up late, uh, late notice. So. True, true, true. Good point. Um, last fight of the main card of the pay-per-view. Vulcan, no time, Ozdemir defeats Jimmy Manoa. My first round knockout, and man, this guy, I'm loving this guy. I didn't even know who he was this time last year, but he's quickly becoming one of my favorite fighters in the light heavyweight division. Yeah, I mean, this next to John Jones, I think this is definitely the most impressive performance. Yeah, I mean, and first of all, he knocked out Misha Serkinov like a couple months ago on like in 30 seconds on this short little behind the ear shot and. It almost seemed kind of flukish. But then here we are again, next time out. I mean, he's backing up towards the fence and just hits Manuel with like a short hook that's like clearly not ha- have all of his power in it. And it dazed him and he just chased him down, followed him up with a left hook that just put him out. Yeah, I mean, he was behind the cage. I mean, his back was to the cage and it was just like a little looping hook and it was right on the button. Manuel was scrambling immediately and he was all over him. I was, I don't, like everybody's been saying he might get a title shot. I don't know if it warrants that. No. Just because people were talking about Manuel, but 
I mean, you definitely got to keep your eye on the kid for sure. Yeah, I mean, the guy has must have just tremendous power. Uh, if um, Anthony Johnson was still around, that's a fight I would want to see. I was literally about to say that. <laughs> yeah, because, wow, those two guys just throwing bombs would be pretty crazy. But, uh, yeah, I think Ozdemir is one fight away. I mean, look, Gustafson is next in line if Jones stays at 205. And after that, yeah, I'd say give him Glover Teixeira. If he could beat like a Glover Teixeira yeah. and then it'd be willing to wait, then maybe he'll get a title shot. Unfortunate for him that, you know, John Jones is back and this could be like a situation where there is no title fight in this division for a while or they might have to do an interim. Yeah, I mean, if John Jones goes up, though, this division's wide open, and he's definitely in the front, towards the front of the line, pretty close to the front of the line. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so it's just exciting to have, I mean, two of five, I think it's the weakest division. Well, I shouldn't say that. When you have the best of all time at the top, you can't say it's the weakest. Yeah. But it's, it's at least bottom two or three weakest division, and... So it's just great to have a guy that can come in and be a top five fighter and legit. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely past the uh, Rampage, Rashad, the Leo. Oh, yeah. I mean, back when light heavyweight was by far, I think, the best division back then. But I would have to say welterweight's the weakest. But Welterweight is the weakest? Yeah. No way. It's deep as hell. I guess. I mean... A lot of people have fought each other. It's, I think it's a little bit frozen until some big moves happen. True, but all it would take is Robbie Lawler to win the rematch against Woodley, and it's like, okay, we're back in action. Yeah, I mean, realistically, flyweight's probably... Yeah, thinnest. flyweight, heavyweight, light heavyweight. Yeah. The featherweight, for women's me. featherweight. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that's <laughs> fair point. Uh, all right, so let's get to just a couple of these prelims because they were all pretty good but especially the t- the top three uh ricardo lamas defeated jason knight by a first round knockout and a pretty weird fight i think it's ricardo lamas proved that he's a better fighter but i still think jason knight could beat him because did you see this uh yeah i mean i, I, I just rewatched it today um i it's, jason knight's definitely tough I think he definitely got caught with some good punches. And then when he was on the ground and got caught with that ground and pound, that was, there's not much you can do in that type of situation. I don't, I don't know if it really tells us that much about Jason Knight. Yeah, I agree because when the fight starts, I mean, I thought it was fun the way he was, uh, you know, intentionally going on his back and trying to, to grab a leg or whatever. I just like his jujitsu aggressive, uh, defense, aggressive, defensive jiu-jitsu game and it was this weird moment where the fight changed immediately when he got up from his back and like just stood there for a minute and got just destroyed by a right hand and after that i think he was just like trying to survive i don't think like the last minute or so of stand-up is indicative of jason knight's ability at all yeah, he was pretty uh, uh, wobbly. And did he get knocked down to the ground, or did he drop down to the ground? He dropped down, like yeah. initially, but I don't know. Like 
it just seemed like he had a mental lapse for a split second, and that was just enough to take that huge shot and have everything go bad. At first, I thought it was like almost a quick stoppage, but I think it was definitely probably perfect timing, really. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I know he, he's a tough kid, and he was saying he could have gone for more after the fight, but I, I think it was the stoppage was fine. It, Ricardo Lamas continues to be workmanlike gatekeeper into that top five region of featherweight, which is a really strong division right now. Yeah, I mean, he could, uh, I mean, he fought Max Holloway pretty recently, but you never know what could happen. I mean, uh, is, he fighting, is that Frank Yeager fight official for Holloway? I think it's as close to official as you can get. Yeah. But... Yeah, and I guess I'll jump over to the other featherweight fight on the prelims, which one fight of the night, which is saying something over the main event. Uh, and I think it deserved it. Brian Ortega defeats Renato Moicano by third-round submission. Uh, just a tremendous fight. I mean, these guys, two prospects, Ortega undefeated, Moicano coming off a win over Jeremy Stevens. They... This is a weird fight where they just stood, like, at striking distance for three straight rounds. Yeah. Like, they were in the box right there, like, in the phone booth the whole time, just trading combos back and forth. It was really fun to watch. And then Moicano, in the third round, goes for a takedown, leaves his neck out, and Ortega, master of the third round finish, just snatched it and quickly tapped him out. Yeah, I'm a pretty big Brian Ortega fan. He's, you know, he's got the sick jiu-jitsu. He's got the triangles, the flying triangle. Um, and he stands, like, right in front of you because he's not afraid of being taken down because he, he'll put you in a guillotine that quick. I mean, I like his submission slot. I didn't know he was undefeated. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I know. Well, he might have one fight, like a no contest due to a positive steroid test. I know he, t- he popped positive at some point. But uh, I like the guy a lot. I even liked his post-fight interview. Seems like just a really cool dude. Uh, he said, like, you know, I'm, what, I can't remember exactly what he said. He said something like, he's not scared to lose because that's just the way to learn what you need to improve on. The way he said it was pretty good. So Yeah. Yeah, I like the guy. I like to see him. I mean, again, this featherweight division, if he fought freaking Yair Rodriguez next, that would be amazing. That would be definitely a good matchup. Alright, last prelim to talk about it for UFC 214. Aljamain Sterling defeats former champion Henan Barrow by unanimous decision. And this is the performance I've been waiting for from Sterling. This is a guy that was highly touted prospect for a while there. Uh, was undefeated and then his contract was up. There was that whole you know, he's a free agent, his belts are going to snatch him, re-signs with the UFC, then loses two in a row to Rafael Sunsell and Brian Caraway. And it's like, where's this kid going? And then he won his last fight and then comes out of here and just, I thought he looked tremendous. I actually didn't see this fight. Um, I really wasn't super excited about it. Wasn't uh, Korean Zombie supposed to fight? He was supposed to fight Lamas. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't really know what to say other than it 
definitely is not a good loss for him. Brown was moved to catch weight like a month prior for right. him. No, the guy has not been the same since that TJ Dillashaw fight. Um, I don't know if he's shopworn, if it's a USADA issue, or if he's, you know, the weight cut just got to him. But he looked, he was so crisp, so powerful, and so good at Bantamweight for so long. Like, and then he gets beat. Maybe he got embarrassed by TJ Dillashaw. And, I mean, ever since, he just looks like a shell of himself. Yeah. He had one good win when he came back, right? Uh, Depends if you want to. I mean, he beat Mitch Gagnon by decision, and he beat Philip Nerver by decision, but... Uh, I thought he had a finish in there. He wasn't like, you know, the guy that Joe Rogan once said, pound for pound best in the sport. Right. It's crazy. Him and Jose Aldo were both, like, ten years without a loss. Yeah. Now they can't win a fight. So let's move on to the Fox card, which was uh, the 25th iteration in the Fox, UFC on Fox franchise, and probably the worst. I mean, weakest as far as just the matchups on paper. Going into it, I found it hard to get excited, which usually they put on some really good fights, at least on that four-fight main card. Here you had Chris Weidman, Kelvin Gastelum in the main event. How How did you think... This uh, this card looked overall. I mean, like looking at the whole card right now, there's not a lot of impressive names on it. <laughs> yeah, you got Darren Elkins in the Grammy event, Patrick Cummins on the main card. Like, ugh, John Lante. terrible. But but you know I'm a Chris Wyman guy, so absolutely. Yeah, I was gonna say your boy. At least he got to show off in his home crowd, get a little redemption, back on the right track. Takes out Kevin Gaslam by third round submission. Really, he just uses his size and his his uh, strength advantage and his wrestling and his jujitsu to just wear on Gaslam until he was able to get the job done. But it was scary at the end of that first round. There, got cracked on the jaw. Looked like Big he time. might get finished. So, yeah, I mean that was that was uh, that was like a holy shit moment for me. I was. Did not want to see Chris Weidman get finished, especially in the first round in Long Island. I think that would have been a little bit tough to come back from. But uh, I think, like, I mean, I think the size difference was big in this fight. Kevin Gaslam, I, I mean, Chris Weidman's a huge middleweight to begin with, but I thought, I th- I th- pretty much, I definitely thought that Chris Weidman was going to use his wrestling game coming in, maybe a bit more than he did, but. He ended up uh, controlling him at least in the third round. Did he? Was there a lot of wrestling in the first two rounds? Not a ton. Yeah. But yeah, I, it was a good fight. I mean, I just was like nervous for Chris Chris the whole time, right? Because another loss, and what does that mean? But I, I had heard it could mean he was getting cut, which I mean it's. And I guess that's a possibility. He was a champion not that long ago, but... It's crazy the difference that can make, because he wins, and all of a sudden people are like, next title fight could be Chris Weidman. Yeah, right. Like, uh, let's uh, let him get a couple in a row here first. But yeah, I mean, it's tough, because Gaslam, he was kind of forced to go up to middleweight. I mean, it was really his own doing, because he couldn't make weight, but it looked good for a while, but... 
I think this is what would be happen to him if he had to fight this, these top five guys that just have such a size advantage on him. He's got the skills. He's just a little small. For if he needs to get on a better diet track and get down to 170, or hope the UFC adopts the 175 pound division. Yeah, I mean it was one thing doing it to uh, Tim Kennedy, who looked absolutely terrible in that fight, but when you put him up against somebody Chris Weidman with that size and that skill level, I just don't think he's big enough to be able to bully people around with his boxing like he had success with in the past few fights at least. Yeah. Who would you give Weidman next? I don't know, somebody at least towards the top. It kinda of sucks that middleweight is so log jammed with whole interim championship. Can't fight Yole again. Maybe Luke Rockhold, although he's scheduled against... Uh, Why not um, Derek Brunson? I guess. It's not like a fight that I get super excited for. No, but at the same time, it's, uh, you know, he just beat an undersized or a bloated welterweight in his first win in like three years. So, you know, you don't need to throw him back into the wolves that fast. Maybe yeah, I mean, uh, Jacare. Yeah, I was gonna say Jacare. That would be a, a main event quality, at least on like a Fox card, I would think. Yeah, that's probably more realistic, just because they want to, like you said, have main event, co-main event quality stuff. So, I oh, think Jacare beats him. You think Jacare beats? God, I hope not. <laughs> well, <laughs> fight hasn't been booked yet, but yeah, I would love to see that. All right, like we said. Darren Elkins was in the co-main event. He beats Dennis Bermudez by split decision. Man, I could care less about <laughs> this fight. Like, I'm sorry. Bermudez can be entertaining. Elkins, nine times out of ten, is just a boring, grinding fighter, which he's got skills. I mean, it's effective, but again, <laughs> it's a spectator sport at a certain point, and uh, Darren Elkins puts me to sleep. Yeah, this is like the chunk of these lighter weight divisions that easily bore me. I mean, they're pretty like standard fighters, like you said, grinders kind of. And it's a lot of these decisions. A lot of these fights go to these type of decisions. Or I just at this part of like the chunk of the lighter weight divisions can definitely produce some super boring fights. Yeah, it can happen. It's a good story. Like, don't get me wrong. It's cool that Elkins has gone on this win streak. I mean, he's been an underdog in a lot of these fights. I mean, he's a tough guy. He's a likable guy from what I could see. But I just, when it comes to me, when I'm, I don't care about the stories outside of the cage too much. Like, when the fight's actually on. I want to, whoever's more entertaining, more skilled, I prefer to win. And Elkins is almost always... The lesser skilled, but he just finds a way to get these like split decisions. And uh, I don't know, not a huge it, fan. Yeah, this is definitely not like a coming event fight for sure. Yeah, insane. <laughs> uh, Patrick Cummins defeats John Volante by split decision, and again, I don't care. I just don't. I mean, both of these guys are like, if this wasn't light heavyweight, they'd be not ranked not even close like they have no shot of ever being anything in this division yes um, it's uh, 
definitely sucks. I mean, it's 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 hard to even build up stuff like this because it's like another loss for uh, what the fuck, uh, John Vellante. It's he's one of those guys that'll win a few fights, lose a fight, maybe string two wins together, and it's pretty much the same way around for this second half of the light heavyweight division, even though it's like three quarters of it. Yeah. So to be like in one of the the weaker divisions and not be able to string wins together, it's it's just like repetitive, really. Yeah, for sure. And these are these two fights are fights that you would not argue if they were like fight pass prelims on the Oklahoma City Fight Night card, right? And they're <laughs> fucking main event of a Fox card, which is supposed to be like the second biggest step down other than pay per view. It's just ridiculous. Um, but the one other fight that actually deserved to be on there and was a really good fight was Jimmy Rivera, who defeated Thomas Almeida by unanimous decision. Two young guys in a booming bantamweight division right now. Two prospects who have seemed like they could have a future at a title shot, and Jimmy Rivera just outworked him, had the better defense, and was able to find a home more often than not. Than Almeida, but it was a competitive, close competitive fight pretty much the whole way through. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think Almeida can easily get back on track. Um, I mean, I think I soundly beaten this fight, but uh, he was on a roll until he ran into Cody Carbrand, and he's lost two out of three. But I think he won't be too hard in this division with plenty of people to fight for him to climb his way back towards the top. I don't yeah. think it would take too long. I agree. And uh, Jimmy Rivera, man, I mean. He hadn't fought since he retired Uriah Faber, but or close to it. But uh, the guy, the kid's good. He's a tough guy. He's not super flashy, but certainly gets the job done. Yeah, um, damn, he's got a lot of wins in a row. I yeah. don't. I mean, I don't. I don't even like know where to put him in the division. I, it's, it's tough, yeah, because the guy, like what Uriah Faber, sure, it's a name, but what does it really mean? And again, Almeida, he kind of lost a little bit of luster after the Garbrandt fight, which, I mean, come on, he's the champ. It shouldn't do too much, but he needs a real test now. I would like to see Jimmy Rivera fight Dominic Cruz. That would be a good fight, definitely. I mean, that's basically the only guy besides TJ ranked higher than him, so. Or maybe Marlon Marais, but someone up there. He's got to, he's taking the next step now. All right, let's he, move. Were you saying something? I was just going to say, is he fought John Lineker, but... Again, that would be awesome. Yeah, that would be a good one. Just a big Lineker guy over here, so... <laughs> Ultimate Fight Night, 113. Um, we should... This is basically a Bellator card. It's so bad, but... Um, Santiago Ponzinibbio defeats Gunnar Nelson by first-round knockout. Uh, pretty surprising... Uh, result here because Gunnar Nelson was a heavy favorite. I thought he would just take him down, submit him, like not even a, much of a, a contest. But Ponzinibbio, he's got power and uh, he's got eye pokes. He knows how to com- combine those things into a handy uh, first round KO. Yeah, I didn't know much about him going into this fight, but uh, a winner for Gunnar is definitely huge for this guy. 
Oh yeah, definitely the biggest win of his career. For sure. He hopefully he can uh, you know use this to propel himself into bigger things, bigger and better things. But uh, let's see. The only other fight to talk about is Cynthia Calville, who defeated Joanne Calderwood by unanimous decision. And this girl is having a hell of a year. She's burst onto the scene, got two main event, not main event, main card matches on pay-per-views earlier in the year. And now she's the co-main on a fight pass card and beats a a well-regarded fighter who I think is... Very overrated in Joanne Calderwood. I mean, I feel like I've been hearing she's one of the best in the division for so long. And I every time I see her fight, I'm never impressed. Yeah. Yeah, I was a fan of her from character aspects, but... Yeah, I like her look, her attitude, but... Yeah, I just... I, I think she has a tiny bit of a name, and that'll maybe uh, propel Cavillo a little bit forward, but I don't know how much this win does for her. No, it just gets her storm and, uh, you know, keeps her momentum going. Yeah. I I definitely think it's the toughest fight of her career so far, so it was a good win on that regard. Calderwood just needs this new weight class to open up because the cut down to 115 was tough. I think she actually missed weight for this fight. And, um... Yeah, I mean, she did have the only flyweight fight so far against Valerie Letourneau, and that was the best she's looked. And, yeah, maybe she can redeem herself at at flyweight when that opens up. Yeah. um, I don't know. I I just... She was... uh, Like, it was 180. Did she miss weight, or was it... uh, They do it early, like they did the... uh, Pan and Brow fight. No, I thought she missed weight. Yeah, it's like, I didn't know if they had changed it ahead of time. No, I'm pretty I, sure she just blew it. Yeah. I don't know. I just These divisions are like so thin and so they need matchups so bad, I think really anything can happen. True. All right, let's move on. Let's move on to our top five post-fight interviews slash moments. Uh, this was brought on by that John Jones post-fight interview that I thought was really well done and uh, well handled, followed by the awesome promo against Brock Lesnar, so <laughs> couldn't really think of anything else, but seemed as fitting as anything, so <laughs> what is your thoughts on the post-fight interview process overall, and how often do we actually get anything notable from it? Well, I mean, I think it definitely uh, definitely depends on the fighter who's being interviewed, but it depends on the fight. It depends on uh, it definitely like a lot of things. Like sometimes there's some guys that can be great all the time. Sometimes you'll have really funny moments. Sometimes you'll have shocking moments. Um, I don't know. I think it's good that they stopped uh, interviewing guys that got knocked out. Hence yeah. that whole DC situation. I mean, that was just tough to watch. Absolutely. I think nine times out of ten, at least, like, the post-fight interview, I'm fast-forwarding through, if I can, or I'm, like, half-listening just because it's all cliches most of the time, and, you know, yeah, I worked hard, thanks to my coaches, and, yeah, I'll just fight. Yeah, whatever they want me to do next is what I'll go for. But then every once in a while, you get something like the stuff I'm sure we're about to talk about, where it's just, like, 
great promo material or something hilarious. And uh, it makes it worth doing all together. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's definitely been some golden ones over the years. Let's hear one. What's your number all five? All right. Uh, see my order. I guess we'll go. My number five is going to be, this is going back to, I think, the first cable TV MMA fight. Uh, I believe it was Jake Shields versus, uh, who did he, uh, Jason Mayhem Miller? Or no, he... It was Jake Shields against somebody, and oh. Mayhem Miller came in the ring after during the post-fight press con- or interviews, and the whole brawl ensued. Yeah, and uh, Gus Johnson's famous line: "These things happen in MMA." Yeah, no, they you guys don't. Are on TV, <laughs> they do not happen. This is not normal. Do not listen to this man. I mean, that was like ten years ago. The first cable MMA first fight network, on CBS network show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, Elite XC. It might have been Jake Shields, Dan Henderson. I'm not sure who it was. Yeah, but Mayhem Miller. Man, what a... <laughs> those are the warning signs right there. Uh, yeah, I mean, he like came in to like call him out to get the next fight, and Nick and Nate Diaz and all them just were not having it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now look at him. Yeah, right. So, so yeah, that was crazy. I was I was actually watching that live. When that happened, and yeah, oh my god, pandemonium. Yeah, for sure. And then they just kind of cut the broadcast off, and you're like, no, no, don't leave. I want to see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, it was nuts. I was uh, probably put MMA back a few years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that didn't help the old image. Uh, John McCain was pointing to that when he was getting stuff, uh, rallying the troops against MMA. But uh, my number five goes a little something like, Anderson Silva, you are absolutely suck. Or, you, are, <laughs> you absolutely suck. It's uh, Chael Sonnen after he beat Brian Stan at UFC 136 and setting up that rematch against Silva. And this was pre-Connor, so, you know, his shtick his hadn't really gotten corny yet and uh i thought it was one of his best he just yeah, really i mean there's a million chow moments but post fight wise that's probably the best i'd say yeah he says if you or what he say if i win you leave the division if you win i leave the sport yeah right <laughs> so, <laughs> it's pretty good pretty good stuff yeah, that was actually my number four, so I'm going to switch it out for one of my honorable mentions. I'm going right. to go with, it's not like that great or anything, but it is one of the most memorable moments. GSP coming in, I was not impressed with your performance <laughs> 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 against, yeah. uh, who is it? Who did he say that to? Was it BJ? Yeah, I think it might have been BJ or Matt Hughes, I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate trash talker. Wow, what a right. badass. I am not impressed. <laughs> it like turned into a meme, basically. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good pick. Um, my number four is a recent one, a very recent one. Uh, I think it was earlier this year when Derek Lewis defeated Travis Brown and then got on the oh, mic man. and basically did like a stand-up comedy routine, just <laughs> casually <laughs> snatching wigs, like... Talking shit on Ronda Rousey, on right. domestic abuse, like, oh man, it's great. Yeah, love Derek Lewis. I'm so glad he didn't retire. Yeah, right. He definitely doesn't have a filter. 
<laughs> no. <laughs> um, my number three is going to be Conor McGregor at UFC 205. Um, you know, demanding the two belts. The UFC was trying to like fuck that up for him, and he was not having it. Um, and of course, all his normal. Antics. I'm the best, basically. Basically, talk. But I just thought it was awesome how, you know, he didn't have his belt. He like ran around the octagon demanding to get his second belt, and um, it just like kind of goes to show that like that was a little bit of a start of like a issue between the UFC and Connor. And I think Connor definitely came out on top on that situation. Oh yeah, zoo for boxing, baby. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good choice. Um, my number three is probably the most famous. At least until recently, but it's Brock Lesnar at UFC 100 when uh, he takes out Frank Mir and then starts talking trash about Frank Mir. Says, I'm going to go get me uh, a Miller Lite because Bud Light won't pay me enough. And I might even go get on top of my wife or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Just like... Because <laughs> it's so unusual. Because Brock Lesnar is usually not a guy that does a lot of talking, so to see him just run off with the mouth like that, clearly just ecstatic to be victorious in this huge, iconic milestone moment. Uh, just a lot of fun. Just, yeah, and then he showed up to the press conference with a Bud Light in hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, my number two is, uh, I think, one of the most like casually cool moments um just right off the top i'm when not Nate surprised Diaz beat motherfuckers Con- what's that i'm not surprised motherfucker yeah when nate beat connor joe rogan how do you feel i ain't surprised motherfuckers <laughs> oh, it was- oh, <laughs> i mean it's, yeah. it's like the most badass one-liner <laughs> so ever. yeah it's almost like gotten old people saying it including myself yeah uh, right. it's just so iconic like a great line Like you said, turn into a meme, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's my number two as well. So, yeah, great choice. I also had, like, honorable mention, also a Nate Diaz moment when he initially called out Conor McGregor after the Michael Johnson fight. Yeah. It's uh, iconic because if you watched it on, you know, Fox Sports 1, where I think it was airing, you didn't hear it. Because the entire thing was bleeped out. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Connor, you... I'm going <laughs> to... Until you... Take everything I'm working for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was good. What's your number right. one? My number one, I, um, Brock Lesnar also fighting Frank Mir. Um, this might have been the same interview you're talking about, but uh, basically as it goes is... Frank Muir had a horseshoe up his ass. Yeah. I pulled that son of a bitch out and beat him over the head with it. <laughs> yeah, that's the same one. I couldn't yeah, remember yeah. I couldn't remember the line to start it off, but yeah, then he goes on to all that other stuff. Right. Yeah. That's just peak Brock Lesnar right there. For sure. I mean, <laughs> that's like the perfect mix of WWE and a badass UFC fighter. Yeah, for sure. Alright, my number one, it's uh you mentioned it, it's Conor McGregor. If I'm being specific, I would say, yeah, 205 when it's the two belts and he starts off. Uh, first off, I'd just like to apologize to absolutely, absolutely. fucking nobody. <laughs> I forgot about that. That's just an awesome line. But just Conor McGregor in general, uh, 
He's uh, anytime he wins a fight, you know he's going to give you something on the mic afterwards. Uh, For I'm, sure, and there's been like situations like when he knocked out Aldo, he was completely humble and yeah. So or even like to set up the Aldo fight, I love the moment when he beats Dennis Seaver and then hops over the the octagon fence and gets right up in Aldo's face. Yeah, like. He's he's the best for a reason. Oh, for sure, definitely. So yeah, and my only other honorable mention would be just the John Jones UFC two fourteen. Yeah. How about you? Uh, I'm, I I did I actually switched two of my honorable mentions out for your repeats. They pretty much took mine, but gotcha. But uh, yeah, I, th- I hope that's like the the next the new chapter of John Jones. So I definitely agree with that being up there. Until next episode when we say in our new segment, John Jones arrested for... Yeah, murder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, breaking news. As I was just announcing my number one was Conor McGregor, I got followed on Twitter by at McGregor's Ego. Nice. So that was uh, fortuitous timing there. <laughs> uh, t- speaking of news, do we have any before we get on to our previews? Um, not really, Apparently Woodley and Dana White cleared the air. Apparently DJ and Dana White cleared the air. Apparently Dana's doing some housekeeping. <laughs> yeah, he's on the apology tour. Right. Um, Connor's sparring with Paul, Paul Magigliani, or however you say his last name. Nah, so don't ask me. What's that? Don't ask me. Right. Well, he's sparring 12 hearts rounds with a real professional boxer, so. Wow. I guess we'll see what happens. Standing ovation. He actually right. he actually can throw a punch in a boxing ball. I mean, I don't I don't see why this is a big story. Like don't doesn't everyone spar? Well, it was just like the way it happened. Um I think Paulie was he did like the commentating for Showtime on the press conferences and said something. So McGregor's camp asked him to come out and spar him. It was just like the kind of how it came together. So they've been sparring for like two two weeks now. Should have sold it on pay-per-view. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, there's really kind of a slow news month. Not too much outside of just actual fights going on. So, And same goes for August. It's really barren. Uh, there's a fight coming up this weekend. Uh, UFC Fight Night 114 in Mexico City, I believe. Which is headlined by... Sergio Pettis and Brandon Moreno, flyweight Holy fight. Crap. I mean, that's a fun fight. Like, I like it's both of those guys. They're on a roll, but yeah, that's not main event worthy in in a perfect world. But uh, who do you like out of uh, these up and coming guys on win streaks? I'm gonna go with Brandon Moreno. Yeah, no, I I think I agree. I. I, I'm just. I think I like Sergio Pettis because I'm an Anthony Pettis fan, so I feel like that kind of rubs off on him. Yeah, I just feel like the Pettises are like real spotty. You don't know who's going to show up. True. Hopefully, I mean, he looks good. Pettis looked. Good. Uh, Anthony looked good in his last fight. So. Yeah, but Moreno has looked exponentially better each time out. So I really like that kid, and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if the winner of this fight gets the next title fight. After Ray Borg. It's yeah, that right. week I of mean, a division. Yeah, he's got a... Damn, he's got some pretty decent wins. Yeah. Ortiz, Smoker. Yeah. He ain't no joke. I guess, I mean, you don't really need much to get the title shot at 125, right? No, <laughs> you just need a win 
two in a row and have not lost to Demetrius already. Certainly don't need a name. No, no. <laughs> As we'll talk about coming up. But um, Alexa Grasso in the co-main event fighting Randa Marcos. She's coming off her um, upset defeat to... Shit, what's her name? Felice Herrig. Yes, Felice Herrig. Thank you very much. And yeah. uh, looking to get back on track against Randa Marcos, who's coming off her win over... <laughs> Help me out again. Uh, Carlos Esparza. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Right again. Yes. And I mean, that, it's, it's a good fight, I suppose. I mean, Strongweight's pretty stacked. Yeah, it is. And I like both of these guys. Not guys. I like both <laughs> of these girls. Uh, I think they both have potential, and they are both entertaining for the most part. So it should be a good scrap. I think... Um, I think I'm going to go with Alexa Grasso. I think she's going to take the Herrick fight as a learning experience and do what it, she has to do to improve enough to get back on the winning side. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I was more impressed by her record and what she's done. So I think she's going to definitely bounce back. Yeah, she was over in Invicta, doing good over there. All right, uh, the only other fight on this... Very uh, mediocre card. That's really worth talking about is Rashad Evans back again at middleweight this time against Sam Alvey. He's Smile coming off Sam. the old man fight, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Rashad Evans, does he lose and that's a wrap? Or? I hope he looks good in this fight. I mean, he kind of looks a little small and almost frail at middleweight to me. But, uh, I mean, I don't think Sam, Sam Alvey's any type of powerhouse. I don't think he's going to overpower Rashad Evans or anything. So, I don't think Rashad is a huge underdog here. No, I don't I mean, think... Like, I can certainly see the scenario where he wins this fight. But... Yeah. And I'll be rooting for him, to be honest with you. I, I like Rashad. Uh, I'd like to see him get back on track. But I just... I think he's shopworn at this point. I think injuries have taken their toll. I... I really think he should hang him up, but who am I to tell him that? Um, I think Sam Alvey's going to take it, and it's going to be, I don't want to say BJ Penn-esque, but not a pretty sight. Oh, come on, you can't compare him to BJ Penn. He's not that bad. <laughs> well, huh? let's hope not. <laughs> let's hope not. I don't know. I don't, I don't think this fight does much for either of these guys. No. Yeah. It's a paycheck, and uh, yeah. uh, at least they get paid. Maybe they can do uh... <laughs> <True> that. <laughs> At least they're not fighting for free, so. <laughs> uh, I guess we can skip past the McGregor Mayweather match. We kind of previewed that for the most part in our last few episodes. We did the the preview special right when it was announced, and then we yeah, talked about the press tour. Say about it. Really. We're gonna do a little bonus episode after the fight to. Talk about everything that's going on around that, so stay tuned. I guess we could just give our prediction and move on. Connor by knockout. Connor by knockout? Yeah. What round? Four. Okay. I hope you're right. <laughs> I will say you're not. And Floyd's going to make Tyron Woodley look like the most exciting <laughs> fighter on the planet. <laughs> And win a uh, twelve-round decision by one punch in each round. 
Yeah, if it goes the distance, it'll probably be pretty boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think it will. So, I, either way, still pretty psyched about it. So, yeah, it's 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 monumental in terms of scale. Just must see combat sport event. <laughs> if we consider ourselves journalists in any way, I feel like you gotta cover it. Or even a really big fan, really. True. Yes. Uh, all right, let's move on to another outstanding <laughs> Ultimate Fight Night. Uh, One fifteen. I think this is September 2nd. Um, it's uh, one of the European cards over there, so you know it's going to be stacked. Main, <laughs> main event, Stefan Struve versus Alexander Volkov. I didn't even know Stefan Struve was still fighting. Yeah, tell me about it. Um, I actually like this fight. It shouldn't be a main event, but I, I like Struve. I've always liked him for some reason, and I actually like Volkov as well. Uh, I haven't seen much of Volkov fight. He beat Timothy Johnson and then Roy Nelson in his first two UFC fights. Former Bellator heavyweight champion. Not that that's saying a whole lot, but yeah. I think he's and he's still relatively young, so. Uh, I want to say that Struve's going to win, though. I think he's such a big guy. He's so tall. He's the only guy that can compare to John Jones' reach. And uh, I don't know. I've always liked the guy. I want to say he'll get a submission victory somewhere in the like, third or fourth round. Yeah, I think this might It's probably going to be a little bit of a slobber knocker. Struve's taken some heavy punches in his yes, career. Yes, he so. has. <laughs> Definitely anything can happen here. For a guy with that reach and that height, he is not as defensively sound as he should be. Yeah, definitely. Mark Hunt, like, ripped his head off. Yeah, wow. Literally broke his skull, right? His jaw, I think. Jaw, yeah. yeah. Skull, jaw, it's all the same. Yeah, it's it's attached. (laughs) All right, (laughs) well, we also have a champion defending her belt in a way. Jermaine Durandamy drops down to Bantamweight. She goes from winning against Holly Holm, the featherweight championship belt, to fighting Marion Renault, who's like a borderline top 10, top 15 fighter at the weight class below. Uh, Wow, how the mighty have fallen. I mean, really, I mean, if Jermaine Durandamy wanted to have any type of career in the UFC, it went out the door like three months ago. Yeah. the f- <laughs> It's so infuriating. She might as well just retire or, I don't know, man, ask to be released. Cause yeah, I'm surprised they scheduled her a fight. What is the point? <laughs> I have no idea. If you I mean, don't want to fight for the belt that you won, you don't want to defend your belt because you're, I don't want to say scared, but <sighs> it's, it's, uh, it's not good. Yeah, definitely not. I, would, I mean, I'm just glad because I really don't like her, anything about her. So I was glad to not even have to like listen to her talk in the build-up to the fight. But I would love it, to see her lose this fight. But oh, I, yeah, me too, for sure. But I think she's going to win. That's, a, that's like the craziest situation in terms of like divisions in the UFC in a while. There's a featherweight division that's basically non-existent. The champion left, and there's... A different champion now, Hollywood Holmes, going to get another title shot. It's weird as hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, women's bantamweight and featherweight, it's basically a blend right now. And there's no real true top contender after 
the fight we're about to talk about that, you know, Noon's Shevchenko, it's like, it's just a real potpourri. It is a potpourri, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> All right, let's get to UFC 215 in Edmonton, Canada. I know it's in Canada. Yeah, Edmonton, yeah. I think it's Edmonton, yeah. Al- and, uh, Edmonton, Alberta. Yes, and... Got two title fights on here. It's actually, I think it's a solid card. It's not going to sell anything because it's DJ and won't be advertised. Yeah, it's the P. <laughs> it's basically the doghouse card. Anyone that Dana's pissed off at said they'll never <laughs> fight again. Here they are. Yeah, popping uh, the card off. But there's some other solid fights on here as well. So let let's get into it. Demetrius Johnson, I don't think it's going to be a surprise who we pick to win this fight, but yeah. Demetrius Johnson fights Ray Borg, finally, after all the drama, appears to be over, um, finally gets what he wants, a fight against Ray Borg, who, he, I don't think he's like the worst challenger for the belt, I mean, the guy, I think he's won three in a row, um, most impressively against, uh, be Lewis Smoker, uh, no, his most recent one against the Brazilian. Um, Formiga. Yes, Juicy F Formiga. That was a really, really good win for him. I think he's, again, in a perfect world, he would be like a year or two away from being there. He's still young. It's basically DJ has been so good yeah. that the top of the, the division – there's no reason for him to fight them again. So he's basically being able to pick off these prospects before they're truly ready. And, uh, yeah, great position for him to be in. Borg's missed weight two out of his last four fights. Yeah, that's the other thing I wanted to bring up, which makes it funny that he wanted to fight him instead of T.J. Dillashaw because he didn't think he could make weight. Yeah, right. But uh, I have a feeling Borg's going to make weight for this biggest opportunity in his career. Yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be a pretty standard DJ fight, where, which I, I like because we get to see him shine, really. I mean, I, it's, he's so unappreciated as a champion and what he does in there. It's crazy, and this is the record-breaking title fight, which they probably won't even try to sell it on that. <laughs> is it tying or, or breaking? I'm pretty sure it's breaking. Oh, wow. Yeah, I haven't heard anything about it. So, yeah, yeah I completely agree with you. Um, he's fun to watch. He has a chance now to try to one up John Jones and take the lead back as far as pound for pound best. And I actually think Borg's going to be tough enough to make it through a decision. I think it's it's going to be pretty one sided. Uh, Borg might you know pull a Tim Elliott and have like two minutes of success before DJ figures it out. But uh, yeah, just you're in it to watch greatness. Yeah, for sure. I think DJ handily wins. Yeah. Probably by decision, maybe like a late submission or something. Yeah, I could see it. And for the 18th time, we get to break down Amanda Nunes versus Valentina Shevchenko. Feels right. like we've we've talked about this a lot before. because um, we have. Has anything changed as far as after all the drama? I, I think I was thinking Shevchenko before that, and I'm still going to stick with that opinion. Uh, I don't think much has changed other than I don't like Nunez a little bit more now. <laughs> Only, um, I, mean, I, guess, I guess, it depends on whose side you take in that whole thing with pulling out the day of the fight. 
without like a, I guess what did you say she had a sinus infection something like that uh, yeah like chronic sinus infections yeah but I mean you know the whole thing with Dana she was cleared to fight and all that which I don't know how much of that you can believe but first of all I'm, pulling out is not an effective form of birth control <laughs> second of all uh, I think it's just unfortunate for everybody I don't think there's any side to take really it's just something that happened and it's unfortunate but here we are not too long after and we're going to get the fight anyway so yeah it's definitely like when things like that happen it's best when they can be rescheduled this fast but uh, I'm kind of over it I hated their talk at the press conference I know they fought already before I just I don't get too excited for Amanda Nunez fights I think this could go either way. Valentina could win. I think Nunez could come away with a TKO or it could be a bloodbath. Uh, I'm going to go with Nunez. Probably, I'm going to say like a late TKO, maybe a decision. All right. See, and I'm a Nunez fan and I'm picking Shevchenko. So go figure. <laughs> I think Shevchenko will win by decision. Speaking of people, we weren't speaking of it, but I'm going to. Uh, people who we would like to see fight Cyborg. Amanda Nunes, I feel like, actually has a legit chance against her. Yeah, I think she's definitely big enough. She'll be undersized a little bit, but she's got that, you know, the power and the speed combination where how would just that first round would be something else. Yeah, I mean, that kind of fucks both divisions in a way. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> At this point, are you kidding? <laughs> like <laughs> All right, uh, next up, Junior Dos Santos, for whatever reason, decided to take a fight against the Predator, Francis Ngannou. After, uh... Yeah. He got knocked out in this last fight, right? Yeah, he got knocked out brutally, right? By uh, Stipe Miocic, and he's coming right back against one of the biggest hitters, biggest prospects in the heavyweight division, uh, it's it's shocking. I'm. I mean, I think it's a solid fight. You know, just I think it's going to be a good fight. I think it's not going to be good for Junior's career, though. Yeah, I think we're definitely seeing the downside to Junior's career. I hate for it to drag on like Chuck did and get knocked out four times in a row or something like that. But he's already been through this. I mean, battles with King Velasquez. I just don't see this fight turning out well for him. No. Especially I, if he at heavyweight, the way this punches him behind the ears and stuff can just end a fight. I just, I don't see this going any other way than Francis getting a TKO or a knockout. Yeah, first or second round knockout is what I, I'm predicting. It's, I mean, it's it'll be exciting for Enganu because that guy is a monster and I think he deserves a title shot with the win. Yeah, and this is definitely a way to it, especially in the heavyweight division. Yeah. I mean, it's always exciting to see guys that are this big through heavy punches but I don't see it ending well for JDS. Completely agree. Alright, well we haven't seen this next guy in a while but Gilbert Melendez is back and he's fighting Jeremy Stevens, dropping down to 145. Whoo! Um, I don't know. I don't know if, what to think about Gilbert. He's a guy I've, I always like to watch him fight in. Strike Force. Entertaining guy. I thought he beat Ben Henderson. I thought he should have yeah. won the belt in that fight. And then he goes on to lose to Anthony Pettis. 
and then Edson Barbosa, and then he kind of just disappeared, and now here he is again. steroids. Yeah, that's what it was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I mean, Gilbert's been around for a long time, had his pretty long reign as champion, and uh, I just, I don't, I don't know what he has left. It sucked to even see him pop for steroids, but I don't see what, I mean, Stevens is a strong dude and a good fighter, but this is definitely a gatekeeper's battle kind of thing here. Yeah, uh, excuse me, I can't, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I don't know what to think, because that steroid test was interesting, um, and I don't know why he's dropping down to featherweight, I never really thought he was small for lightweight, I don't know how this cut is going to go for him, I do think, skill-wise alone, I think he should take care of Stevens, if he, if Gilbert Melendez of old is there at all anymore this should not be too tough of a, a fight for him I, I wouldn't think but I'm interested to see how he looks I think if he comes out and just you know looks like the Gilbert of old and looks like featherweight is perfect for him hey maybe add another name to the steadily rising featherweight division but I don't see that happening yeah I agree I don't I don't know how fast this is going to project him up if he wins, but it's definitely a good fight for the card. Yeah, it'll be, it should be entertaining. Next up, we have two of Demetrius Johnson's fallen, you know, fallen angels, the guys he's taken care of recently, Henry Cejudo versus Wilson Hayes. Entertaining scrap. I think this should be fun. Um, Cejudo, obviously Olympic wrestler guy with... Improving stand-up over time. Wilson Hayes, excellent jiu-jitsu, and a pretty solid all-around game. What do you what do you see happening here? Um, I mean, Wilson. We didn't get to see much of uh, Wilson's jiu-jitsu in the title fight, but I don't I don't know if it could really affect Henry's wrestling uh, all that much. I think Henry's going to be way too strong for him. I think he'll probably pretty easily win this fight. Yeah, I tend to agree. I, but ultimately, I think Cejudo has really shown vast improvement the last few times out as he seems to be taking the sport a lot more seriously. So I'll give him the edge here. And uh, last up, I think this will probably be like your featured prelim on Fox Sports 1, but it's pretty good. It's Rafael Dos Anjos, his second go since moving up to welterweight. Against Neil Magny, um, pretty uh, pretty big jump I feel like from Tarek Safadine to Neil Magny. Magny's like borderline top ten I want to say, um, but a good test. This is a guy who is pretty big for welterweight. He's a tall guy. Magny's got the reach. Uh, big test for RDA here, and I actually, I actually think he's going to pass. I think he's going to I think he's going to take care of Neil Magny here. Yeah, I, I I can see that happening. I just have this like image of RDA being way too small for welterweight. I know we've t- uh, disagreed on that before, but I don't know how much taller Magni is or how much longer his reach is than his. But I think RDA has to fight like a dirty fight and get on the inside here to like really like uh, implement his game to be able to to get inside and like beat him. I don't know if he's... I could, he's probably stronger than him. 
uh, Magni's pretty lanky. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. I mean, anything. Magni survived the Hector Lombard fight. Anything can happen. That's true. I feel like it's going to go to decision. I don't see either guy getting knocked out. Maybe if someone was going to get knocked out, I think it would be Magni, but... I just I think it's going to be a good fight. I think Desanyos. I think the key for him is to actually use the strength advantage. Like this to me reminds me of like a Kelvin Gastelum versus you know uh, I don't want to say Tim Kennedy, but it almost seems like a bigger lightweight fighting a welterweight when uh, Gastelum was like a bigger welterweight fighting a middleweight. I just think he's going to have to use use that to his advantage where he can get in you know he's got the strength advantage even if he is the lighter the smaller guy and just kind of use his wrestling and win a decision yeah and i'm sure he probably has way better cardio uh cardio lots of weight too so probably this definitely is a really good fight it's uh at least the second half of the welterweight division at this point yeah so hey. towards the top of it. RDA versus Tyron Woodley could be not too far away. That's crazy. <laughs> that is kind of crazy. All <laughs> right, uh, let's wrap this one up. And uh, that is an effective form of birth control. Uh, <laughs> and call it a night here. Uh, you can always get at us, theredbeltreport at gmail.com, or hit us up on Twitter at redbeltreport. I'm on Twitter at the Oriole Report. I'm on Twitter at Brooks Phelan. Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes through the Red Box Reports feed or its own Red Belt Report feed. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube page through the Red Box Report. Uh, and yeah, that's about it. We will see you next month. Thanks, guys. The champ is here! Hi, this is my shit right here! The champ is here! This shit is crazy! The evil genius! He took it from crack to rap, now he put out two anthems a year And I just wanna rock for a century And then chase the book with the documentary If you can't do nothing other than flow Life's a bitch like the mother from Blow Let's go, don't make me put your heart in your lap Fuck riding a beat, nigga, I parallel park on the track Hop out looking crispy, fresh and new And it's six, but it's a BM and it's Pepsi Blue And I don't know you but I know a man becomes a man from all the shit that he go through Y'all ain't fucking with Jason After I cash in, there's really no justification Of how I'm gonna change the game So don't get out of line Cause this little nine to change your frame My friend Kiss, time's up, the champ is here, it's the remix, we about to make the world get down, and I hate cops, but it's a new sheriff in town, let's go, everybody pipe down, I'm on, I'm on. you know the game is mine right now, put your mics down, and the truth is that, let's go, y'all know the black babe roof is back, uh, listen, the game's scary, cause everybody
everybody running around wanting to be out or what about Wayne Perry thin line between living and being buried where I'm from see either the yard or the cemetery I don't own a computer but I download the Ruger the earth's still spinning while the rounds going through you shorty's bringing the work back uptown on a scooter no security I just move around with a shooter uh, pounds of purple bricks of diesel late night finishing strong like Mr. C do and the Tommy hole 85 45s dog so you can go get your people just make sure you tell them that No love this time. Hello, kiss. Hello, kiss. Hello, kiss. The champ is here. 